You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. That, that is a kick-ass is song. Absolutely the worst. <laughs> I actually do like that song. Come on. I can't help it. I just think it's okay. So our good friend Craig, Pastor Craig Gross, and his wife Jeanette have made a series, and they, they just talk. You know those Triple those X folks. I mean, anybody yeah. that's around them for a little while, they, uh, you know, they, they talk about sex, and they talk about all kinds of things. So it is really refreshing to have people just talking about sex. Yeah. At least, I mean, in, in a sense of it not being shameful, it not being uncomfortable. Even the question comes up, do you play a song or not when you're going to have sex with your spouse? Right. Uh, you know, being naked in front of each other, that, that can be uncomfortable. People have male and females have body issues, all these things. And then on top of that, what to do when you start, right. when you really start going at it, what do you do? Cause, yeah. cause, cause a lot of Christians will say, oh man, sex is beautiful and you just wait till marriage. Sex is not beautiful. It's like two grunting, but there's, there, there's grunting, there's hair, there's sweat. My wife sounds beautiful. My wife sounds beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for telling us that. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's what's so sad. Your wife sounds beautiful and you sound like, ugh, ah, ugh, ugh. <laughs> and she didn't know to expect that. She did not know to expect that she needed this, this series she didn't, to, to even expect some stuff none, like that. None of our wives knew the look on our face. <laughs> like, like, none of our wives knew, hey, when I make this thing called making love and being be- in this beautiful love making with my husband, his face is going to scrunch up unbelievably tight. He's going to go, oh, <laughs> I love you. I love you. I mean, nobody knows that. So that's why this is awesome. Like, there's a lot of wives that cried the first time their husband made that look. Oh, I'm sure. No, oh. but, uh, you know, all joking aside, I, I really do believe that if sex is a gift from God, I think it, it, it is possible to have a great sex life. And I think that a lot of married couples, they get in a place where they're just like, man, this, this is just too hard. And what Toby is saying is communication is that entrance back into a healthy sex life. Well, well one thing this is not is that cheesy Christianese, hey, you know what? Just be a servant to your yeah. spouse. Just love, bring her flowers. Just hold his when, penis. When you bring a, when, I know, that is more what like this is like. <laughs> Greg and Jeanette really get into the details. And, and, and honestly, it's no holds barred. And they're going to talk about anything in a very relaxed way so you don't have to feel like oh here we go now we're gonna talk about a blowjob uh, <laughs> yeah i mean some some people that talk about sex look like they're actually having sex while they're talking <laughs> about it. it's so uncomfortable and, and awkward this is really awesome it's a really it's a really neat way of presenting a topic especially a lot of times for christians that can be very taboo very uncomfortable this this couple's been married they've gone through a gamut of uh all kinds of things sexually related and so they are just really open to talk about sex freely and without all the guilt and shame and awkwardness but just talk about it as it should be a a, just a great part of your marriage or a a part of your marriage that could be great yeah so this is called best sex life now it's a 10-part video series by pastor craig gross and his wife a broad range of topics you can head over to badchristian.com forward slash best sex life now to sign up for the course today 
I think they even have like this really cool version, like to make it feel kind of seedy, like like you're watching something dirty, like porn or something like that. They have it on VHS. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> you can order the VHS. Toby, right now, Matt is whining about me being over at his house and eating his food. Well, my his pastor, wife, my pastor, I'm your friend, damn it, my pastor, I'm your friend, my pastor of my church oh, comes over and interferes with my podcast oh, that I Lord. try to do, and then <laughs> my wife's like, hey, do you want? Can I fix you dinner? And then my pastor just sitting there staring at us. And so she's like, should I fix some for him too? <laughs> I got to like, fix some for him too. Sure. <laughs> fix some quesadillas. From- so then she brings us the quesadillas and she also brings us some salsa. And he just starts dumping salsa. I mean, salsa is expensive. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, the, it is. You get the chicken quesadilla with the cheese. Oh, with the chicken. Bean, with everything. Yeah. I mean, Matt. she shredded the chicken. <laughs> chicken and now you're pouring our expensive salsa on top of the quesadilla matt most people most christians they would say jesus is first and you are then, not a christian and then a distant <laughs> distant second would be like my spouse or something this is toby's jesus is first and then right after him is joey and here's why without me toby doesn't do emory Without me, Toby doesn't meet his wife. True. Without me, that's there's true. no bad Christian. Your well, life is empty and worthless without Joseph okay. Michael Spencer. Here's what I'm he has a good point <laughs> there, all. Toby. What do you think about that? No, uh, no he doesn't. Because I give all, he he gets nothing. You are full of shit. <laughs> now your mom is the bomb. I give all credit to your mom, Barbara Spencer. Shot you out. <laughs> And it had to be a hard pregnancy. What? It had to be a terrible pregnancy. She, and, when, yeah. and when you came out. Barbara and Virgil had to be disappointed. They had to be like, oh, no. But they stuck with it. They were the Christian couple that stuck with it, and that's why Bad Christian is here, because of Barbara and Virgil Spencer, not because of Joey Spencer. Yeah, he's Joseph just a pawn. Spencer. Joey's just a pawn in, in you're the a, big system. Yeah, you're a joke. Okay, <laughs> hey, well, you know what? I'm fine with that. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for saving Toby's life and making him worthwhile of a person. No, I was talking to your mom earlier uh, this week about the, her pregnancy. She said because she had you, she immediately, she also got kidney stones. Yeah. It transferred to her like kidney left, stones and left kidney stones yeah. inside of her. You do you guys know that I was an unplanned pregnancy. Like in fact, I there's no doubt. <laughs> I mean, that was a, that's a given. Yeah, no hey, question so, on that. Uh, without any further ado, we want to welcome Logan Kale, baby! Yeah, Logan Kale. Matt, start the music. Oh! Oh! Oh, hell no! It's about to go down! You did not bring Logan Kale up in this show! Oh! 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 All our listeners are taking off their shirts and slinging them in the air, round and round and round. Logan Kale is in the BC pod right, right now. Oh, oh, oh. Come on. Come on, Logan. Yeah, say right. something. Yeah, Logan. It's your big moment. Uh, Logan, like what's up, man? Horns, please. That's your theme song, man. Those reggaeton <laughs> horns. I could listen to them all day long. You can now, listen I to that, say, that I will sound. officially uh, vocally trademark that noise on your podcast. No one else. I'm just calling it right now. No one else. For sure, for sure. It's that. on my sound effects board, and I reserve the right to press the horn at any point. But we'll use it always for you as well. Verbal contract. No contract. No Exclusivity. contract. Logan, welcome to the show. We're glad you're on here, buddy. Thank you for joining it's us on a Thursday. Have you been keeping up with our show and listening to it regularly or no? Yeah, I have. I was actually listening to the Dustin Kensrue one this morning. Oh, yeah? What are your did reflections? Did you become a Christian? Yeah, did you become a Christian yet? 
No, no Christian. Uh, but well, I we found keep it checking, interesting. We'll keep checking up on you, buddy, on that front. Anyway, yep. what about the episode? I enjoyed it. I will be honest that, uh, you know, I would say a good percentage of the episodes that I listen to, the guest starts to get a little boring for me. So I'll fast forward until when it's just you guys talking again. Really? You but, think uh, the guest are the, is the boring part of the show? Yeah. I think most people, well, I don't know. I think it might be half and half, but I'm sure a lot of people, some people tell me they go straight to the guest and skip us yapping. Well, I mean, I think maybe most of the people don't have the unique perspective that I'm coming from of you guys being my friends. I, I find you guys talking enjoyable. It's always fun. And that's, I mean, when I do see you guys, that's all we do. And it's entertaining the whole time. That's true. I mean, so it when feels I was like on we're hanging out, guys. only you don't have a microphone, but now you do. Exactly. You said you normally skip them. Yeah, I normally skip it. I just found it. I found it interesting. You know, it was. It was. Uh, he started off pretty slow. I thought I was. Finger was on that uh, fifteen-second forward <laughs> button, pretty close to it. But I found, yeah, I found him to be very, very interesting. I thought he had some good points. So Logan, do you like the backdrop stories like on Thrice or did you like his depiction of his faith? I mean, what what was so interesting to you? You know, I just thought that I liked the way he put words together, honestly. I I was never really much of a fan of Thrice. Do you have a bromance with this guy now? Like are you obsessed? No, that's ridiculous. Okay. Don't be don't be ridiculous. Come on, Logan. Uh I just felt like he was interesting. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, um, never never was into the band like I said, but I Are I you going to check it out now? Interview. No. I know what it no. is. Right. Okay, man. A man of conviction. Well, I'll tell you what, one thing um that is kind of dull and boring is Logan's talking right now about <laughs> Dustin Kentrew. I mean, there's nothing I don't have I, any This is the part where I would fast forward. <laughs> yeah. I hey, I, I I do want to ask. We brought on Logan Kell with kick ass music, and he yep. says, "I li- I like Dustin Kentrew. <laughs> Dustin Kentrew. We're gonna have Dustin Listen. on next week to talk about how boring you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Matt, I I have a question for you. And so when we uh, typically when we talk to Logan, Logan, with you being an atheist, we always crack lighthearted jokes as far as uh, are you a Christian yet? Are you sold on that and that sort of thing. Matt, you said something in our interview with Dave Bazan. If anyone who doesn't know Dave Bazan, he is uh, one of our favorite musicians, was a Christian, not a Christian anymore. Basically, we talked to him a lot about that. Matt, I'm pretty sure in that interview, you said something to the effect of one thing you do know and that you do embrace is the fact that none of us should be scared about anything. So in other words, when we're thinking about whether there's a God, whether there's an eternity, one thing we shouldn't do is be afraid. And I guess my question is, if you do believe, and I know you do, Matt, if you do believe in a heaven and a hell, why are you not afraid for Logan? Why Why isn't hell a bigger deal? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, well, t- I mean, I, think like, you're I guess in two I, different ways there. Number one, I think maybe I was saying that you don't have to be afraid of what you might find out. Like, you don't have to be defensive about your faith or worried about what somebody else might say about it or worried if it could not be true. And and if it's possible that it's not true, oh. then you do want to find out is what I'm saying. So I believe that if truth is pursued, then it'll work out the best possible way regardless. And I do think the truth is the gospel in Jesus Christ 
if it turned out to not be the case, well, then it wouldn't matter because it's not the case. So Logan's approach or an atheist approach who has that same principle, I think ultimately if you really are truly open to what the truth is, then you can find it. And I think from a Christian point of view, you will find it and it will be the gospel. And I do believe that it requires some kind of suppression of the truth as the Bible says in Romans to to suppress the truth even as an atheist, right? So I don't really worry about it either way. I think the 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 best ideal is to look for the truth. You don't have to start with the blanket statement of, well, we gotta protect Jesus. You just start with looking for the truth and then it should lead you to the right place. Unless you are put intentionally putting on blinders like Logan does. That makes sense. So I mean, Toby, when you think of your dear friend Logan, like does it bother you that he in in your theological belief that he's separated from God right now? Like does that bother you? I guess I I don't think that I lose sleep over that because I feel so strongly about God's sovereignty and if it and I think I mean, I really do feel like if Logan wants to believe in God and serve God, the true God and God is true, then he will. Or he would choose not to if that's he has that opportunity, and so I I think it's more about Logan than God. Like I don't I don't I mean, we talk about hell and hell scary and it's fire and brimstone and all this stuff, but I mean for me it's just Logan doesn't want to believe in God, so he's just not going to. So that's all about Logan and and God giving him that ability possibly to say no. I don't even know if that like I I think God can make Logan a believer right now if he wanted to. So maybe he will. So I, I don't think anything I can do is going to convince Logan about Christianity. Now, I think God can use me and through being used that way. But I do think I did have this thought this week, and um, I thought this is an interesting thought that we would have to admit, and a lot of people don't like admitting this, yep. that, that we potentially could be wrong about God, right? So Christians don't, they love saying the, you know, the, uh, that God is perfect and that his word is perfect and there are no mistakes and there's no inerrancies and what we, what we know to be true about God is true and that we believe in God. He is true. Yeah. But we have to admit that there is some percentage chance that we could be wrong and there's nothing when you die. Right. And, but then people go, well, yeah, well, I mean, this the old saying, I forget which philosopher, theologian, whatever said it, but Pascal's you know, if I'm, uh, is that what it is? Like, I'd rather be wrong on my side than yours. Like, you know, if, if I'm wrong, if you're right, then it, it just goes into, you know, I'm annihilated. But if you're, if I'm right, you go to hell. Yeah, right. It's but here's the thing, but nobody ever talks about this part. If Christians are wrong and they're so against, let's take the concept of homosexuality, then that means that that person only got one life and they are unable with the only life they have in the whole world to even live how they feel like they want to. Like they, you know what I mean? Like, so if, if Christianity is wrong and there is no God or that, or, or we're just say we're just wrong that homosexuality isn't a sin even, or, or you know, there, there's a percentage chance of all these things. And are we really going to force people to just not be with their, the sexual partner of their choice for their entire life? Just cause we say so. Yeah. Cause we think it's right. Like that's really intense. Like we're, that's really forcing our selves on somebody else when and then at the same time we'll overeat or do some other sin worry anxiety you know control 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 also so i really did think this week because and i say this because i mean there was a guy and i am fairly certain he was gay i could be wrong but he was an older gentleman super nice and i just thought man i bet like back in the 1950s there's no chance i don't i don't know if he's gay or not but i was thinking about a gay man in the 1950s there's no chance in south carolina that he could uh, live out his life the way he wanted to without Christian oppression. You know what I mean? For sure. And so I, I do think that idea of like, I, I'm not as worried 
about people going to hell, I am worried that we are potentially sending people to hell just because we say, well, we're right, you're wrong. What you're saying basically there that's interesting is, for one, on Pascal's wager, you're saying that that in that one it's like a cost-benefit analysis where you lose out totally if you're wrong, but if you're right, you have everything to gain, so it makes sense. But if we're not, if we're, since we have to admit that we might be wrong somewhat, that means that we have no basis for somebody who doesn't believe or have the faith that we do to make them be a certain way. So therefore, it can't be the best approach to try to force anybody into anything, right? Yeah, for sure. Because I, I mean, if we're wrong, that means that somebody who doesn't believe uh, in the Christian Bible or whatever is forced. We're trying to force them to live the way we think is right, and it won't matter when we die. So they've been oppressed if, if we're for wrong. no good reason. If yeah, they, and that's and, and from, they only got and one from life. Their point of view, yeah. they don't they don't share what we have anyway. And then secondly, you talked about faith a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I guess faith in itself supposes uncertainty. That's okay, right? There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah, it should be. I mean, that's I, the you point. know, I think that this whole wager is ridiculous anyway because you can't believe something just because it benefits you or Mm -hmm. you can't try to believe you either do or you don't you can't say well i think that just in case i believe in god so then you're saying that's not really a belief any it's not a belief anyway you couldn't select your belief in that i mean if there was actually a god and you believe just because it's better that you get into heaven then then you don't really believe then you don't really believe exactly. Yeah, so I think they that knock that complete... on Pascal and say that he wasn't really so much a religious person. He was just making a mathematical point that you have everything to gain, nothing to lose. So why don't you do what the people tell you, and then there you go, you're covered or something. So it's not really yeah. genuine faith anyway. All right, let's move on from this uh, Logan's eternal punishment that he's going to be going through. Logan, what 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 are some things you like about this <laughs> podcast? Or, well, dis- or dislike about this. About this. Well, I am going, Toby, I'm about to cold bust you on one thing. Now, oh, I, we Lord, may have Lord. actually even discussed this on a previous episode, but uh, there was an argument we had while I was touring with you guys because I was watching a horror movie that had boobs, and you came in, yeah. turned off the TV, and said that you can't because that may lead you to cheating. But yes. a point you made in, in that Dustin Kensrew podcast was how it's ridiculous that Fifty Shades of Grey, people are freaking out and scared, and men are telling their women to not let you know not watch this movie because what seeing a boob will make you cheat. Then it's not really that strong. So I'd like to. You basically have taken my stance now, and I'm curious what the deal is with that. Well, here's the deal. I love nudity now. Nope. Uh, no. I, what my point would be if you're going if you're watching. Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, and it is not causing you any to be weak, then yeah, it's totally fine. But I mean, I if I watch Fifty Shades of Grey, I want to see the boobs and the vagina and the BDSM and all that. That's the reason I'd watch that movie. I don't care about the story. So so that's the same way. It's probably what, that horror film or whatever you're well, watching. Well, I'm not um, watching a horror movie to see girls' boobs. I'm watching a horror movie to see the brutal but murders. to be honest, man, that movie you're watching, I think it was called Debbie Does Jason and Freddy. So that's not really fair to me. <laughs> that was kind well, of Toby, unfair to me. serious? No. no. Of course he's not, Joey. Toby, would you say you've loosened up it's over time real mo- on that? I'm gullible, man. Do you think over uh, time, I don't know like if I, that, that was probably five or six years yeah, ago, you probably saying, so. then, then yep. you were in a mode where you were saying, no matter what, turn off anything if it has boobs in it, and now you're more open-minded yeah. or less I think I have. I, I think I have. I think I have loosened up a little bit for sure. But I mean, I still, if I watch something with 
uh, boobs or whatever, I do turn my my eyes or whatever. You know, if I'm watching a show that has a, a graphic scene, I try to anyway. Sometimes I watch it and it's not a big deal. And sometimes I catch myself thinking, yeah, I'm kind of watching this for sexual gratification only. Uh, but I mean, I'm just talking about like a, a normal TV show or something that has boobs like Game of Thrones or uh, HBO show or, or a regular movie even. You know, you go see a movie, there's tons of nudity and stuff. But I do think I've I've lightened up and I do think... Uh, it was it was wrong of me to come in there and turn off a, t- a movie you're watching for sure. I shouldn't have done that. I was probably think I was being probably a little self righteous and thinking I was helping both of us, and that was just shitty of me. So I shouldn't have done that. Well, I so accept th- your apology. Well, well, yeah. Well, so thank now, you. Now thank 50 you, Logan. But no, isn't no, that much in the nudity department? Is it? It's more just the fact that it's abusive and all that, and dominant is the issue. Logan's with seen it, but... it seven times. So Logan, yeah, Logan, how is it? <laughs> I would say it's probably dethroned. Uh... Bill and Ted is my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here, here's the thing though about this movie, and I okay, so uh, we were talking about this this week, and our my good friend Joey's good friend too, James, said he read an article where they were talking about what if so the, I guess the characters are, are Christian Gray and Anastasia something, and so they uh, so he's very wealthy rich guy. And but I guess he's into control and BDSM. Which what does BDSM stand for? We we said is it bondage, bondage and sadomasochism? Domination is it? It's not bondage, domination, sadomasochism. Or is it bondage? Yeah, that's BD? probably it. That's probably okay. it. Uh, I'm pretending like I don't know. <laughs> um, so I was I, I took that idea and I was thinking about it, like what if he was poor and what if he was like a just a South Carolina like redneck dude that lived out in a, a trailer park and so I got this idea that I want to. Read that actual, would probably be a horror movie. I know it wouldn't. Yep. Everybody, everybody would be really upset by that. They would think this guy's messed. Up. Yeah, it would be a horror movie. It wouldn't be all beautiful and sensual. And if he did, yeah, if he, he just simply didn't have a yeah, private jet, you discipline. mean it makes it a different air. To right, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so here's what I did. I took quotes. Uh, I found these quotes online. I have not read the book, but uh, I found these quotes from Fifty Shades of Grey book, and I want to read them as a basically what I was growing up a South Carolina redneck. All right, so these are Christian Gray quotes from the book Fifty Shades of Grey. And who is this right. character you're so, reading from? I'm I'm going to read it as like Redneck Toby. Okay, and where's Redneck <laughs> right, Toby living? This in a trailer. A, yeah, this is when I actually have lived in a trailer, and I do have a very southern accent. So I'm going to I'm going to juice it up a little bit. Well, let, let me make up a character. Do you know yeah, who the, would be really good at that if you brought Gary Morell on to do? Some oh yeah, Fifty yeah. Shades. No, yeah, my brother has a crazy accent. What's a good southern uh, redneck name? Travis. All right, this is Travis Gray reading, <laughs> reading Fifty Shades of Gray, okay? Does this mean you're going to make love to me tonight, Travis? Holy shit, did I just say that? His mouth drops open slightly. He recovers quickly. Come on, I want to show you my playroom. It's the left side of the garage beside the 74 Cutlass Supreme. <laughs> my, my mouth drops open. Holy shit, that sounds so hot. But why are we looking at a playroom? I am mystified. You want to play on your Xbox, I ask? He laughs loudly. (laughs) (laughs) No, Anastasia, ain't no Xbox and no PlayStation. Come on, come on. Now, you can leave any time. I got a bicycle laying in the yard on standby to take you wherever you want to go. You can stay tonight. You can go home in the morning. It's fine. Whatever you decide. But I'm about to get her done. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all want me to keep going? I got a few more. No, I do not want you to keep going. A couple more. Okay. He grabs me suddenly and yanks me up against him, one hand at my back, holding me to him and the other fisting in my hair. 
Woman, you got me wound up tighter than a skater's ass in a nosedive. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all. Uh, Toby, I think that since you and Joe... Wait, I do have one more. Wait, hold on. One last one. Forget about the rules. Forget about those details for tonight. I want you... I wanted you since you fell into my double wide trailer, and I know you want me, especially my love banana. <laughs> Did you change love banana, or was that what it says? Yeah, I changed it a little bit to make it more, you know, Authentic more more character. like Travis Gray, more like Travis Gray. So. Well, yeah, that would be um, basically a. Te- what do y'all Tex- think? It'd be a Texas Chainsaw movie. It wouldn't be a sexually. Oh, it'd it be so know. scary. Yeah. I but mean, because sure, you though. read all those sexy things, I think you should check Joey for boners. I yeah, think he, he has one. <laughs> Well, shut up! I, I should write a redneck like BDSM book. It'll be a hit. I do believe I need to make a movie about this because it'll be a total hit for it'll be sure. The scariest movie of all time. Horror movie. Now, now speak. Well, speaking of BDSM, Matt, I think we and Joey we've talked about this before, but y'all are okay with that in a married couple that is okay with it, or you think just keep that stuff out of the bedroom? I think if it causes physical harm, then that's I would draw a line there. Well, no, I don't. What if think... the what if somebody likes the physical harm, like not like dying or or being cut and stabbed, but like what if you like a bruise being left? So or something ma- like that? so maybe equate it to an occasional cigarette is it's not going to kill you, but it's not good for you. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I well, I mean, it's definitely an issue on that bedroom. about it's not about the physical what the physical stuff is. It's it's whether or not it's abusive or coercive or forceful, and whether the other one of the partners is not into it, and then they're. Um, that's abuse to like be overly suggestive or coercive, even if it's your wife. So if my wife and I want to do some freaky stuff or if it's her idea or we've both felt the same about it, so what? That's all good. But if I want her to do something I, she I doesn't think, want to do and talk her into it that or pressure her into it or physically cause it to happen, that's that's wrong well, no matter what. No yeah, I want to hear Christian Logan's answer about BDSM. I want to hear Logan's answer about BDSM, but I do think, too, what we're all saying is I, I think in the bedroom it can get – if you need to do that and that's why the only way you can get off, then it's gonna, you'll need more and more and more. So I think, honestly, having an, a, a, some friend outside of your marriage that you can talk to and say, hey, this is where we're at and kind of ra- railing that in because if you, do, if you go too far, sometimes you have to like – it's just too much. Like you can, you can do too much in the name of hey, we're experimenting, having yeah. fun with each other. But you know, you don't, you do need some kind of accountability. Like hey, what are we going too far? Well, here? I, I've heard of people being discouraged to using vibrators while they're having intercourse because they say you you can't replicate that. So next thing you know, yeah. you're dependent on it. Then you get need that. the vibrator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Logan, what do you think? But yeah, anytime, uh, anytime you are trying to do something above or beyond what is normal. You should probably talk about it before you try it, you know. But yeah, don't don't force or pressure anybody. That's that's rapey. Okay. On that note, let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and we'll take some. We're going to do some music questions and some other questions. We're going to do some fun stuff. All right, we'll be right back. Today's music sponsor is Bad Apple Records. Let's take a minute and check out a few of their artists. Your blood has cooled. And 
That was Re-Education Camp, John Russellberg, and Why They Came from Bad Apple Records. Go to badapplerecords.net, click on the store button, check out the shirts and hoodies they have available, and you can get all three records from the artists you just heard for only $10. You can also keep up with Bad Apple Records family on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. All right, let's do something different here. We're going to bring on a band. This is one of our band sponsors. So, Toby and Joey, why don't you guys just take a break? Joey, if you want to get pizza or something, no problem. Uh, these are these guys are from the band Least of These. And uh, we're going to take – they had some really good questions about the music industry. So instead of just submitting them by email or whatever, we thought we'd bring them on and just take the questions directly. Because I know when I'm out on the road, these are the same questions I get often. So I feel like a lot of our listeners are in bands and will care about this stuff and have these same questions. So let's just, let's just do it. So we have TJ and Johnny from the band Least of These. You guys there? Yeah, we're we're here. Hi. All right, welcome to the show. Tell the folks a little bit about yourself. You're a band called Lisa These, you tour, and you're an indie band? Correct. We're like a, an indie rock band for like the fans of Ass Cities Burn or Thrice or mm-hmm. even, even Emery. Uh, and we've been a band since 2011, touring since 2013, and uh, just kind of doing it independently up until November when we got signed to uh, Pando Records, a small little record label out of Denver. Okay, so the the position you're in is pretty common. Um, it's a small band, and you say indie, and it's a small indie label. So when you say touring, what does that mean? Uh, it's all DIY. Um, I'm this is TJ, and I kind of handle the the booking for tours and stuff like that. And so I just generate a list of contacts every time we go out and talk, get those contacts back when we go to those certain cities again. So what? So what's it like? Like when 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 you say touring, are you touring with big bands? Are you in medium clubs? Like what size? Uh, well we what's a typical we just kind of tour like? Uh, we tour by ourselves uh, most of the time, uh, and then we kind of hit up the local bands that are in the area. And sometimes we'll have like we've gone out with Levi the Poet for five days on the West Coast and ended in Albuquerque. So uh-huh. like we kind of some we'll talk to our friends that are in bands and ask if they want to come out for certain dates. Um, Okay, so it's this whole circuit with these indie bands that are small, um, and I'd call you small, but that's okay. I'd call us small, too. But there's a ton of bands out there that are hardworking, and they're able to tour DIY, which means do it yourself. But still, I don't think people are getting the picture. How many people are at your shows? What size is it? It varies depending on the uh, the scene. Um, but you have some shows that are that are bad, right? Like real yeah, small. Ones. Like, yeah, like uh, like uh, the Wild Salmon. In yeah, the Wild Louisiana. Salmon in Lafayette, Louisiana was. Uh, we played to uh, some guy named like Wild Bill or Crazy something. No, it was uh, Super Dave. Super Dave, and he was super nice, but he was also super old and super drunk. 
And so we played to him in Louisiana. So you you out there grinding away doing these shows, and I imagine you don't make full time living or much money at all. It's something that you you love to do and you care about, and you care about your music, and it's a lot of fun, and you want to take it to the next level. That's the most common thing I encounter. So you guys have some questions that are you know music business and whatever related. So. Uh, I wanted to get into some of those. What what kind of stuff do you guys want to know as you pursue taking music to more of a full-time or a f- higher level? Well, I think the first question uh, mainly stems from me because uh, me being the, the booking agent slash tour manager for the past three years, I, I kind of want to get that off my back and lose that responsibility and have pay someone for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't really know how to go about doing that. So I guess my first question is, at what point in like a, your your career did you think having a tour manager and a booking agent and uh, was a necessity? Well, things are—I I guess things are a lot different than they were when we started. But the—they—they uh, they, kind of go hand in hand. I don't think that you can like convince necessarily people in the real levels of the industry to book you if they're not interested or they don't know about you or if you don't other already have other stuff going on. So most of the time. Uh, a booking agent will be looking to a band that has some momentum or is the new band on a label or see something in them. And then uh, they sometimes will go down and pick up a new band as they're coming up. But the booking agents can't make any money on an, a band unless that band is worth you know, X amount of tickets and X amount of dollars. So when you're a new band, Correct. you get paid almost nothing. And even if you go out on a big tour, let's say, you might get paid 100 dollars a night so your booking agent is only going to get 10 percent of that so if your booking agent gets you on a tour where you get paid a hundred dollars a night and you and you're playing 50 shows well it's only ten dollars a night for the booking agent that's all his cut is so if you're a small band there's no way a booking agent would want to pick you up unless they believe that you're going to in the future be a headliner that's worth mm, twenty five hundred ten thousand dollars a night and then they they'll be taking 10 percent of that once you get there so that's yep. a, a booking. The only incentive for a booking agent to pick up a, a small band would be that. So if you're a career band that's only worth a couple hundred bucks, then you know it's, that's rough. That's rough work for a booking agent because the smaller the band is, it's also the harder they are to book, kind of thing. So what you guys are, are going to have to do is is prove your. You're going to have to book yourself and continue to do it DIY until you can get to the level where you know you can prove with history and numbers what you're worth and show that you're worth yeah. X amount of $100 a night on average in these markets. Then an agent can go, okay, well, I can call and set the contracts and do that. And, you know, that might be worth my money. You find there's there's all kind of stuff. As the industry changes, there's more and more different models. It's not just the big agency. So you probably can find somebody out there at some point, but not until you prove your value. Um, also, to expand on that question, um, uh, just hearing y'all talk about, like, uh, Logan, I think, uh, drum tech for y'all for a while. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you find it beneficial to even have guitar techs on the road with you? And, uh, how much do the, like, like, I'm sure y'all were having to pay them. What's reasonable and how beneficial have you felt it has been? Do you have to have a guitar tech, yeah. drum tech, all that? Well, there's a million different crew jobs, but if you want to just focus in on guitar tech, the way I feel about that is uh, when we first started, we had nobody for a really long time, and then we eventually had a tour manager because we were having to headline or, or do, do stuff that we couldn't keep up with. And at some point, being on tour is fun enough to where you, you can always, if you have a good enough tour going and you're young and have a bunch of friends, you'll have people that will borderline volunteer or you can pay a little bit to that are maybe not too good, but they can learn on the job and they just like being on tour. So that's for sure where to start. Nobody needs to start by hiring professional people with experience. It's a 
huge waste of money. Of course. Got it. Well, I guess we we have another question on kind of going with the whole the touring and managing and everything like that. Like, what does it take to get picked up on the bigger tours and uh, like to not headline our own but be a supporting act for a bigger band? Is it is it still like is it about who you know or can it just be like hard work and just getting your name out there more and more? Um, it, it's going to be another one of those everything questions. So, why would a bigger band want to take your band out? Number one, provable numbers are worth something. So if you if nobody's ever heard of you, but you have a certain amount of numbers where you can say, when we play in this market, we sell this many tickets, and we're willing to go for this cheap, that's where you start to become valuable. But usually, you're going to also need to be making progress on the front where people have heard of you or can associate you with this or, or something that you would just be in the heads of people. Like, yeah, yeah, I know who that is. You need to have a story going for any agent, manager, band to even really think about it they need to be able to like place you it's like who's that guy what does he do oh yeah he's that from this they do that that's them okay yeah well yeah what's their numbers okay so you know you need a combination of an in uh or somebody you know or a little bit of a story going and then be able to back that up with reality so the music business is a lot less about marketing and bios and stuff like that these days it's just like everything is data driven i mean you can prove what you've done what you're worth and what it is and then you can negotiate from there but nobody's going to give you too much of a break um from the get-go unless you have something or offering something and then on the other hand you can always pay i mean there's a certain amount of money you can pay to get on on a tour and that's depends on the tour but that was actually my next question is kind of is it is it beneficial to like buy onto tours uh and like, say, what is it like a good buy-on amount for like a bigger tour? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, what do you mean by bigger tour? What's a bigger um, tour? I guess for, I guess for us, anybody that uh, that has like, I don't know, anybody that's signed is bigger than us. Yeah. So, I, I, okay. For example, uh, we were if we were to go out with a band, uh, Emery's status, mm-hmm. any, Emery's level of of uh, playing, what would be a buy-on rate for that? And is it beneficial to even do that? I, I would say that it can be beneficial, but is often not beneficial. The creative idea that we've been working through for the last couple of years is a lot of times we will have a band go out on tour with us and they will assist by doing road work, thereby earning their keep. So that's something to experiment with. If you can find a band and you can help them reduce their cost then by, yeah. by you working for them, then you're not paying and they're benefiting and you're offering something to them. Not to mention getting experience and being more involved with and connected to the band. So that seems to be a pretty symbiotic relationship that we've been able to work out with a lot of bands where they'll either ride with us on our bus and work for us and we won't bring much crew or they'll either ride separate and help set our stuff up and we'll share gear and thus they don't have to pay us to be there but they're valuable to us for being there and it kind of works out. So that's something I would, I would recommend exploring. The other good thing about that is you can go one step at a time. You can just go to a band that's slightly yeah. bigger than you. You don't have to say, I'm going to buy on to the whatever, big tour, you know. Okay, we've got a couple more questions for you. Um, we've been fairly successful on our own headlining tours, um, just going out solo or having some uh, friends tag on a few shows that are in the, the area we'll be in. And uh, we've been able to come back with somewhat of a profit, but nothing huge. Um, how do we get over the hump of where we're at now to be able to actually make the the trip financially worthwhile, or should that even be a... Um, a concern right now mm-hmm. and would touring four to six months out of the year be better or worse for a band our size well let's get let's let's get a little more specific there you say you're able to go out and make a profit right now yeah well that, that's pretty good 
Yeah, we w- like we just got back from a uh, a southeast run, like through Florida and Georgia and North Carolina and uh, and Tennessee is furthest north we went, and we came back with uh, a a fair share amount to divide. And we just well, tell, what we do is we tell we us spit. how tell us how much how much did you come back with? Uh, it was like twenty. Oh, we came bucks. back. It was twenty five hundred bucks, but we spent uh, probably a good. Uh, I mean, the rest was on gas, of course. Uh, sure, but we also bought food for like. But you we had, were doing so well. You had hundreds of dollars a piece to split up when you got home from the tour after paying for everything. Yeah, we yeah. had, and we also like per diem'd uh, the the food sure. per band member. But I mean, so, but you, when you so, came home, you had hundreds of dollars each to split up. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, to put that into context, that is where we were at pretty much after we did the Tooth and Nail tour. Uh, where we were the opener on Tooth and Nail with the Weeks End out with Amberlynn and me without you on that tour. When we got to the end of that tour, we had a couple hundred dollars each to split up. So if that puts it into context, that's where we were bef- when we were at that point. So I would say that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we definitely thought that that was awesome. Uh, we just didn't, like, since we've never gone on a bigger tour, we've never gone out with another bigger band. We didn't know if it was similar to going out solo and pretty much controlling controlling our own guarantee amounts is it more beneficial to even try and push for these bigger bands to take us out on tour where we come back with i don't know a hundred dollars or keep doing it solo and just making that making the money to sustain us and also provide for our families back home sure well you're gonna yeah you're gonna make less if you go out with bigger bands like i saw jimmy Eat world play with weezer and it was pretty much useless for Jimmy Eat World. It was cool, but it wasn't like they were even, and that's even similar. It was crazy, but it was like, and they said it in interviews afterwards, it doesn't, didn't really help them a ton to be on tour with, with Weezer. So the closer you stick to medium size and DIY tours, I believe you'll have a better chance of actually converting people because there's a way more sense of indie, community, checking, seeing all the bands on the bill. But if you could get out on a giant tour, I don't think it would necessarily even convert a ton of people anyway you have something where it works right now and if you enjoy it and yeah. you love it then you want to cultivate that i don't know if it's like gambling on a long shot for instance doesn't seem like it's the stronger play to me i think you have something yeah, good. Yeah. if that's really is true and you're able to earn thousands then you need to grow that and not you know small investments here and there and make sure that whatever you're doing is sustainable because if you start trying to go too much just to make an extra few hundred dollars or invest this you know you yeah. people are going to get burnt out and think I'm putting more in than I'm getting out so i say keep it proportional yeah. enjoy the music that you're doing and you have to keep it that way or there's no point in doing it anyway cuz y'all are probably if you're capable of doing all this stuff you're capable of earning money in another field so keep this music where you're yeah. enjoying doing it yeah, I think that's that's kind of where we're at. To me, that's encouraging. So I hope I think people listening to this interview will think the that that's that's encouraging to them because there's a lot of people who cannot have not gotten as far as you guys are now. So I want to point to you guys as being just the example of the hardworking middle of the road band who is really I would say succeeding in in many ways. So. Uh, next level or not, you should just be happy with what you're doing. And I think it's a little bit of a, a landmark or a guidepost for other people who who can look to that and say, well, we maybe we could get to that. Or is it worth it? Is that what we want to do? Would we be happy if, yeah. we, if we got that? Because there's a lot of bands that, that aren't where you guys are. So I would say congratulations on, on what you've been able to accomplish. Well, thank you. That's, uh, that's really cool to hear because you don't ever hear that since we don't ever go out with bigger bands or talk to really big-name people that we had, that we look up to and we respect – we don't get to hear that a whole lot, and that's really, uh, I guess that answers 
any question like all of these questions is just keep doing what you're doing what we're doing yeah. and uh yeah cuz we've kind of been dealing with getting home and going i guess that was good yeah you yeah know? well it's good if you enjoyed it and your wife isn't mad at you for being gone and your kid still yeah. remembers your name then it's good then you that's good that's uh Johnny and TJ from least of these so let me give a couple of plugs to your websites and stuff and then let's listen to a little bit of your track but thank you guys for being on today Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was thank an honor. you so much. All right, so your website is wearelot.com. And then your your current record label's Pando Records, and you have a new album out called Mirror Image. Yes, sir. Very good. All right, tell us about this track we're going to hear a little bit of. Well, this track uh, is called Carry Me. It's uh, track number nine off of Mirror Image, and uh, um, Johnny right here was the, is a lead vocalist on it. It's a little bit of an upbeat song, and uh, it sounds a little something like this. We got some questions to ask. We got a couple of good questions on the line, so let's go ahead with those. Y'all ready? All right, let's do it. All right, here's a yes. I'm ready. Here, ready. Here's a voicemail we got from a, a nice gentleman. Hey, this is Aaron from Houston, Texas, calling into the Bad Husband podcast. What are you guys doing to lead your wives and your families spiritually? Specifically, how are you making it a priority? What are your wives? point of views do you believe on how important this issue is and uh yeah curious about what other christian men are doing thanks a lot well that was a really good question um, i think that he I, has the wrong number though oh yeah he, he, he called it something else didn't he he did uh i think he was making a joke uh which i thought was funny thanks for just bashing our listeners that called in logan <laughs> well i mean lead your wife to the right podcast <laughs> I think I would say that I I feel like in my marriage I I am uh, a a natural leader just because my wife likes me and she knows that I love her. But if if you want to go specifically spiritually, I'd say I'm not doing a good job right now. I'm not um, not taking time uh, to pray. Not really taking time to uh, do the things that a lot of people say you should do. Now, I would also say that I'm in a questioning phase of my life as far as w- what should we be doing. Like, 
I mean, most people would say, hey, as a married couple, you should be making time to pray together and do this together and do that together. And uh, I'm just not so sure there's like this universal standard that all uh, married couples should aspire to. But I would say as a spiritual leader, I'm not doing the best job. Mm-hmm. What does that mean specifically? Like pray with your kids and family? Do you do that ever at all? What, what do you, how does uh, it go? Y- yes, yes. I, oh, well, if I would say that as a, as a family, we, we pray uh, pretty often. Like I pray before I drop them off to school. Now, as far as, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great question, Matt. It's like we're constantly talking about Jesus, constantly talking about how Jesus is the hero. When we mess up, Jesus loves us anyway, but here's, here's why he's, you know, wants us to do better because it's better for us. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, and I don't think to an unhealthy uh, level either to where it becomes white noise. I mean, we really have good dialogue. I'm just saying when it comes to me and my wife, uh, I've, I think I'm not doing the best job leading spiritually, but I think what we have to take in consideration too, is everybody's wives are different. Like going into my marriage initially, how I viewed leading my wife spiritually was not something that she even wanted from me. It came across as maybe awkward or coerced where a a different female would be like, Oh, this is great. You are, you know, setting time aside to ask specific questions and do the specific things. So think every female is going to be different as well i think from us yeah I, i'm the same way um I, I don't ever feel like i'm doing that good of a job and and part of it's because i'm leading us so i'm always going to do a, a poor job but i think for us too jess and i try to think about other stuff too like we want to read the bible we want to encourage each other to read the bible we even read the bible together pray for each other uh give um serve invite people into our home try to do all these things and some of these things don't come natural to us at all but i think too uh, also more than that like i think we try to focus on time together yeah uh, just conversation actually me listening to what she has to say I, that sometimes that's really tough yeah. and for her too like just actually listening and being present with her so i think sometimes our most spiritual times together are like a date night out for pizza or something together yeah. by ourselves because we have three kids and, and it's crazy so that's important. i have a question about this okay now maybe this is just you know just christian jargon but it, i'm having trouble with the whole leading thing i mean granted i'm not married but marriage is an equal partnership it's not one person leading the other sure totally i i 100 agree it equal partnership and i need jess to help me and lead me just as much as i do her but naturally um the way our marriage works is that there are some decisions that are made that i have to guide us through and um i have to make those decisions and sometimes she disagrees with them and, and she uh and i uh feel like god has put me in a place to uh lead us through some of those things that um, I really see like is best for our family. And sometimes that's really tough. And there's times where I'm wrong with that too. Like I feel very confidently about doing something. But what I would say with that is anytime you have two people doing something uh, together, one of them will lead the other one for sure. And so when, when we say lead, we don't mean women are less or dumber or not smart. Cause my, there's a tons of things that I can't do in our marriage, but there is a need for a leader in a family and it's me. In, I would say, I would challenge that too, Logan, in the sense that you say marriage is, is equal of everything, but, but I would say nothing is equal as far as leadership goes. Then every relationship at every point, there's always a balance of power and dynamic and leadership, friendships, well, you sure. know, everything. So no matter what, there's areas 
is. Now, it's a loaded term, the way that they asked it and the way that people talk about it in Christian culture is loaded. But but my wife is naturally a leader in certain areas, like how the house goes and the dishes, and that sounds sexist, but she just is. Like, I am responsive to what should be done. I just, I don't, we didn't decide that. It just is. And so if something bad happens and, and, Georgia screams and there's an emergency or the something somebody knocks on the door and starts yelling, then I'm naturally going to be in charge of that situation. She'll look to me immediately. And if the, you know what I mean? There's just certain things we don't talk about that. And it's not even biblical. Yeah. It's just true. So in every area of every relationship, somebody is the leader. And that just depends on the people. It can be different for every relationship. Now, as Christians, well, we sure. often think that the, the male is the spiritual head of the family. And, and probably mostly it typically, some people say it has to be, um, I think it's pretty natural for the man to be the spiritual leader. I think that probably does go well in the area of if I take ownership and pray for my daughter and fa- and wife and say, this is what we're going to do. I think this is where we're going to go to church, and I think this is what we need to do. Then then it, it does work well. I guess there's families where that's reversed, however. But I can only say in mine, uh, it's, it, it should be me. That It definitely should be. And we, we fall where we mess up is – Bridget actually wants me to be more rigid, scheduled, and lead her more, and then I don't, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it like more loose and not even be that directive about it, and then that hurts us because it feels like I'm not doing as much as she would even want me to do kind of a thing. So it doesn't do any better to, it doesn't do any better to just go, well, we're equal, so why don't you do it? Well, I get it. I, I guess I, I get what you're saying. I just, it just seems like Christianity in and of itself is a somewhat sexist by nature. Well, I, I think just, that's the human aspect of it. I think that was, you know, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. But so, yeah, I guess that was just a loaded term. I get it. Fair enough. All right, let's take another question here. This is a voicemail. All right, so this is Tyler. Uh, I was wondering if you think that um, young adult males should be dating if they're still dealing with an addiction to pornography, like if they, um, or if they should take time off from dating to get that under control. Um, before they start dating. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for doing Bad Christian Podcast, by the way. You guys are dope. Love you guys. Well, oh, yeah. Toby, appreciate that, this, well, Toby's married and he looks at porn well, all the well, time. Oh, hey, he's from Oregon and he's talking about it, should you be dating if you have an addiction? If, should a young man uh, be dating if he has an addiction to porn? So we'll let Logan do this because Logan actually has an addiction to young men. So, <laughs> Logan, in, should you be and dating? He's in Oregon. Yeah, I, I have a confession to make, guys. Sometimes I go by the name Tyler. <laughs> and I just wanted to uh, know what you thought. Of. I was curious about that question. Um, if you're addicted to something, Logan, should you be trying to date somebody and bring your addiction into that? First of all, I think addiction is probably thrown around a little too loosely with porn. I mean, I would say if you're addicted to porn, you're probably spending several hours a day watching it. Maybe this dude is. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think that you should actually talk to a real person. It would probably help you. It yeah. would almost personalize the the porno and make you probably hmm. even possibly more ashamed by it if you start thinking about the ladies that you know and them being in pornos. That would bum me out. Yeah. Well, there's a few nice a few things going on there. First of all, if it is real addiction, for instance, even in the twelve step programs with alcohol and stuff like that, they say even if it's those things which aren't even about sex or your relationship, they say don't even be in a relationship 
while you're working through the steps, first of all, they would tell you. And then this right. one directly does affect your relationship. And another really tough Christian stance to take on is, well, that's cheating. So you're cheating on somebody as you start to date them. Would anybody recommend to do that? That's kind of a heavy-handed way you could that some people would look at it and tell you, of course not, kind of thing. And then, like Logan's saying, well, a lot of people, and I know a lot of people like this. I've heard this a million times where people say, well, once I find the right girl and then once it gets going, then it'll be easier for me to stop looking at porn. And that is clearly not true. I know a lot lot of friends that think, well, once once we get going, if things are going well, then either I'll be shamed into stopping, which isn't true, or I'll be motivated to stop because I'll, I'll care about this person. But that's just, that stuff's not true. So yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever. Obviously, too. I think it's it, he didn't say he he struggles with porn, but it's probably his question. Well, right? maybe his cousin. So there's you know, a young man. <laughs> Imagine there's a young man, like maybe in a, a state like Oregon or something, and he's addicted to porn. You don't know that. Shut up. You're right. Maybe he has a friend that's addicted to porn. <laughs> but you you guys would say no, or just what? I guess in general, I would say if you can't get your act together just in general at, with discipline, maybe you shouldn't uh, bring someone else on that ride. Uh, but I would say maybe the specific issue of porn, I, I don't think you can make a black and white issue out of it. What if that's mm-hmm. extra motivation for you to get your act together? Or uh, you know what What about the, the married guy that's struggling currently and, and figures it out? I just, uh, I, you know, I would just say, Young young boys that don't have their shit together in general just don't get married right now. Well, he's just saying well, he wasn't even talking dating. about married though. He was talking about dating. Of course, you should start dating. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if that makes a difference though. Yeah, I'm, I'm closer to saying you should not. I'm closer to that for sure. Now, and that doesn't mean like I, I, I struggle. I try not to, and then every six weeks I slip up. That you know, that's different than maybe he's talking about, you know, I'm looking multiple hours a day and I just cannot stop. So that's different, but I would lean towards it's not going to get any easier to stop no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if you can't stop, yeah. All right. Hey, this is Chandler from Indianapolis. Um, I wanted to ask you guys if you ever feel – like you struggle with the love of money or focusing um, too much on money in general. I know with the Emory fundraiser, you guys actually raised about $60,000 more than what you were asking for. Um, so I, I guess maybe along with that, what happened to that extra $60,000? And do you, uh, the love of money could just be like in relation to the, uh, the Emory campaign or just in your own personal lives. Thanks, guys. All right, so it's Chandler from Indianapolis. Joey, well, go ahead. Joey, you want well, to take that one? I, I, would, I mean, I'll just say personally, yes, I definitely struggle with that. I think that a lot of my contentment and satisfaction with life is based on like how much money we have saved or how much money we're bringing in, and it's constantly something that I battle with, and I think I'm making some improvements. But it kind of sounds like, and I'm, I'm going to throw our friend from Indianapolis under the bus, kind of sounds like he's questioning y'all's use of Emory income? Does it sound like that? Like, how did you guys use the extra money? I feel offended. Yeah, I'm a little, a little offended. Bit. I feel yeah. hurt. I feel <laughs> a little sweaty. I'm a little mad. His question makes a lot of sense, and I would ask that same question. Um, to answer parts of it, what did we do with the extra money that we got? Um, that was money we intended to use out of our own pockets. So that's, it's still going to the record. I mean, we, we haven't made like a ton of money and I'm sitting 
very uh, comfortably at all. No, like, we hadn't split it up. We, we, in fact, we still have most of it yeah. sitting in the bank because we have the record coming up. So the, the we're right. coming to you live from Toby's cold ass garage right. right now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I drive a nineteen. I mean, I drive a two thousand three Dodge Caravan that won't hardly start. I mean, I'm not rich. I'm not, I mean, I'm not. I don't I'm hear not him accusing us of that. Really, I think I think no, people I, have I, a genuine I, question I, about how does crowdfunding and the money and stuff work. I right. think so. that's my point, and so that's what I want to say is all of that crowdfunding money is going into making the record into. Uh, getting the record out into making vinyl, into making videos, into actually getting us to fly, be able to fly to be near each other to create the record or to take time off of our daily jobs that actually provide our, our income for our families. So that means you so did take some in take your pocket, though, that last part you just said, to take time it, off yep, our other You're exactly jobs. right. I actually took time off of my job at a church um, and supplemented it with making the record like well, let's I get let's i don't let's get let's let's uh get more specific on it just in transparency how much of that did you sure. get in your pocket if you forgot the Honestly, number i know right, the answer but oh you go ahead what's the answer four thousand dollars yep so toby toby we got paid we took four thousand dollars a piece and then the rest is sitting in the bank and we're going to use it because here's the thing when you sell a bunch more packages you actually incur a bunch more costs. So if you needed 50000 right. to fulfill this, and then you sold a 1,000 more packages than that, because that was the estimate at first. We thought maybe we'd sell 1,000. Well, we sold 2,000. So now the expenses have gone way up. We had to print another 1,000 T-shirts, replicate another 1,000 sure. CDs, blah, blah, blah. So the money goes on up, and we took 16000 of those dollars and split it with Toby, Josh, Dave, and I. There's a ton of more expenses um coming and we uh we have to pay management commission there's tons of stuff so money it's it's pretty easy to spend money so big sums of money in the entertainment business turn into very very small sums once you spend them and and split them up but uh but to his question is he's saying a little bit in the christian sense of like do we struggle with the greed or need of money i think that's another component he's saying Yes, I think I always do. I, I mean, it's very easy to go, man, if I had this, this, or this, I'd be happy. See, I think you struggle very little with that. Of all my friends, it seems like at least you put off a persona that that's not a big deal to you. Well, I was just trying to go along with it. Yeah, I don't really struggle that I'm much. I'm sorry. I think it's a two, I think it's a two part answer that for Toby. So if I'm going to assess Toby and you can look at, you can say whatever you think about me as well. But Toby is for sure willing to forego money all the time in the sense of to do what, to, to take chances and to not, you know, go for the safe route and just to be able to do what we want to do or make the podcast or do this or do Emory and quit jobs and, and risk it and, and spend money and go in the hole and, you know, just see what happens because we really love doing the stuff that we get to do. So I'd say very much in that sense. But at the same time, Toby is extremely tight with the spending of money. So I don't know if that's a spiritual matter or not, but when it comes to if somebody else is going to get $100 instead of him, he's, you do become very upset very quickly you know what i mean well i would say like in the me, territorial just, sense you do feel very protective of money i mean my wife and i are just totally on board with this like we don't i don't i do not i mean i guess overall like it like i i, I was being honest honest earlier um i it is very easy for me to go man that person has this house and that pool and that car man that would be awesome like that's easy for me to slip into that mentality but at the same time i mean the truth is i feel so blessed i mean the fact that so many people would support this record and support our band emory that we created and worked so hard for like i mean i don't i, don't, I can't really say i'm not happy like i mean I, I i haven't made i mean the truth is i mean i know it's easy to go man you see this huge number man they made a hundred and something thousand dollars 
to make this record. I mean, we're not getting that. I, I, there is no chance. I mean, that Toby sees anywhere, it, not even close to a hundred and something yep. thousand. You know what I mean? Like that. I mean, even even close to thousands and thousands of dollars. That's just not going to happen. I mean, it takes a lot of money. I mean, our record deals. We you know we never got close to anything like super crazy amount of money, and we and we work super hard. So I think for us, it's more of a thing of. Um, I don't think it's a, a struggle of money like, oh man, I just want it and I need it. But I I would I do struggle with man, it'd be nice if I had money, it was just easier. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I could do whatever I want. Let's take the next question. I like that. Good job, everybody. All right. Last question. Yep. You sick, perverted people. I hope you had fun cursing in hell. No, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, my question is, um, I've been questioning my sexuality for quite a while. No. Uh, Real clown. Just kidding again. Uh, <laughs> my name is Joey Smith, and I'm from Richmond, Virginia, where rednecks and hood rats live in harmony. Right. And I am actually doing a teaching on cussing. And my question's coming, so don't be assholes. Uh, well... I'm I'm trying to basically spit it out. out. Okay. He said okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get to a point. Anyway, you arrest it can arrest attention. Like when God said, "Hey, um, religion was a bloody tampon," in Isaiah 46, six, and um, he told, you know. You know, yeah, you know, you I'm know. going to go ahead. I'm going to say we leave this whole question and I'm going to talk over it. You see, um, people, why the questions have to know, be a little more concise. I'll just let this be an example to y'all when you ask questions. But James, it says, you know, what your question yeah, it just, is. I mean, and then I just, he'll have a question here. He's just hanging out. This dude's like, I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to hang out. Here goes. Make a sandwich. When does it come to. Oh, my gosh. You know, I know. Nope. Like words change. Oh, okay. used to be oh I'm dying. Happy. I'm dying. Means you're super happy. Yeah. No. What uh, is he <laughs> talking about? Like, this guy is here. Oh, here a comedy genius. Here he goes. Like, it was what, at the very end of that hit. I guess it would, you know, draw in our. It comes with the audience. Who's in the background? And uh, where do we draw the line? The it, only question he's asked know, so far. I'm not gonna cuss around a bunch of old, old people. But at the same time... Now he's calling out old people. What the hell they do to you, mister? You know. <laughs> you know. Super, super bad. Right. Like, yep. when we're... What is this know, guy talking... Like, this isn't lucid. Yeah. Just, you get the question. No, <laughs> I don't. I love the podcast. I watch it every time. And uh, keep up doing what you're doing. I get it. <laughs> and... uh Keep doing what you're doing, and, uh, and and keep doing what you're doing. Making fun of Joey about his depression. I'm a Joey, and I suffer from manic depression. And holy shit! Anyway, well, no, this he's, is actually, insane. He's, he's I think he shit. actually suffers from pure up. insanity. Tell him to suck it up. All right, peace out. Now, here, here does the, anybody the, know the question for real? He, he just well, said something about cussing. Where do you draw the line? Like you know, because he knows the words are this way. But where do you draw the line? So that was the question. It was two seconds, but I love it. I mean, it, I it, enjoyed now it. Now here's the thing. It it worked. <laughs> he talked for as long as he wanted to, and we played the whole thing. <laughs> that dude made it. 
Hey, Joey, Joey the caller from Virginia made it. He did it. He kicked our ass. He beat us in our own game. So I got to give him props. So I have a question for you guys then. How sick of you or how sick of talking about cussing are you guys? It seems like it's something that should not be the main point. Yeah, I know my wife has said the same thing. She's just like, will y'all please stop talking about it and just be yourselves and I think well, we we point. are being ourselves, but people constantly I agree. talk to us. About I agree it. with so, you. I, mean, I but, agree with I think you. you shouldn't even address it anymore because you've talked about it on so many episodes. But, well, but see, Logan, I, I think what you have to realize is for the church, it really is a humongous deal. That's like, insane. Yeah, well, I'm just agree with this, Logan. I think we should not talk about it anymore. Are we to do it or we don't? You've addressed I agree it. too. I, I you've addressed think, the yeah. situation. Move on. Yeah. Well, I think Logan, thank you for your wisdom. You're holding us accountable. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. <laughs> You're a great accountability partner, Logan. You're a great accountability buddy. Hey, I. You know what's crazy is, to, uh, you know, now I've been doing bad Christian with you guys for a while, and uh, so that's like a publicized thing, and I still get nervous, and I sometimes even jump on board. But here, this guy is. He says his name, where he's from. <laughs> He, his voice is on there. People can identify him, and you guys are dying laughing at him and ridiculing his approach. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I feel bad for this guy. Like, there's a part of me that feels bad. Well, he said he identified with you, and he has, suffers from manic depression. So I hope, <laughs> you know, I, it's one thing to make fun of you because we know you, and maybe it's another thing to make fun of this guy we don't know. But we're just clowning around because obviously his oh, question was too long and everything. So I think he could take take that pretty well. But, you know. Yeah. So that's all the questions today, and that's all the time we have, actually, as well. Logan. Boo, boo, boo. Very good. Love it. Logan Kayla, everybody. Yeah, baby. All right. Thank you, everybody. All right. See you. Bye, guys. All right. Sign us off, Joey. All right. This is Joseph Michael Svensson signing off. I am not fat. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday edition of the Bad Christian Podcast. Every memory of looking out the back door.